The U.S. Icelandic Horse Congress is honored to support Young Black Equestrians in its community building and horsemanship. Icelandic horses are a versatile and fun breed with a great sense of community and support here in the U.S. Learn more at www.icelandics.org. I'm Ivan McClellan. I take photos of Black people in the West, and you're tuned in to Young Black Equestrians. I am. I am. I am a young. I am a young. I am a young. I am. And I am a young. Black. A young black. Young black. A young black. Black. Black equestrian. 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 Black equestrian. Equestrian. Black equestrian. Equestrian. Black equestrian. I'm a young black equestrian. I am a young black equestrian. Hey, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Young Black Equestrians with your host, Abriana Johnson. I am happy today to be joined with the infamous eight seconds. If you follow him on Instagram, if you know his name, his name is Ivan McClellan. Welcome to the show, Ivan. Oh, thank you so much. I'm, I'm so happy to be on here. Um, <laughs> for spending some time with me. Of course, of course. So for the people who aren't aware of who you are and what you do, just give us a, a brief rundown of, of what Ivan does now. Uh, I'm so bad at this. Um, I'm, a, <laughs> I'm a photographer uh, and I, I take photos at rodeos and ranches. Uh, across the country. I've been to mostly in Oklahoma and Texas, but I've been to Arizona, to Philly, to, to everywhere, uh, just sort of documenting Black cowboy culture. And mm -hmm. I've been at it for about six years. Mm -hmm. um, the work has been in magazines and museums, but, you know, I mostly do it for my kids so that they know that, you know, black cowboys are real and they matter and they are relevant today. And uh, I do it so that when they draw a picture of a cowboy, they'll color it in with a brown face. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So let's, let's go back to, to the beginning because I am, you know, aware a little bit of your story. So let's talk about where you were before uh black cowboys became a, a integral part of your life so i you know i don't even know where to start i was an actor i lived in new york for six years and then i i was going to a doritos commercial one day and i was like this is stupid so i went i went home <laughs> to kansas city and uh started a career in design and that was great but um, not necessarily as creative as I thought it was going to be. Mm -hmm. So one day I picked up a camera. I was going to to Turkey on vacation and, and a friend of mine borrowed me his camera. And I started, started taking pictures at that moment and just like fell in love with it. And that was mm -hmm. about 12 years ago. And I, you know, went through a long phase of um, taking bad pictures of, of landscapes and, weddings and I got into street photography just walking up to strangers and taking their photos which was 
one of the most important uh, parts of my development. Um, and sort of learn that skill set, how to get a good photo like anywhere that I was at. Mm-hmm. And right around that time, I ran into 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 Charles Perry, a filmmaker, mm-hmm. and he was telling me that he was making a documentary about black cowboys, and I kind of laughed at him because I was like, "That's not that's not a thing, man." Like I've seen Gunsmoke and Bonanza and you know, black cowboys aren't real. And he was like, well, come with me and, and take some photos at this uh, at this rodeo in Okmulgee. And I just went there and was blown away. There were thousands of black cowboys there and just the style and the energy and the music and the athleticism, all of those things just hooked me right away. And mm-hmm. I, I kept going back. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah, I'm familiar with Charles Perry. He has a grand vision and I absolutely love that as well. So now you're you're taking pictures of these black cowboys and you know that they exist. What kind of empowered you to start telling their stories visually? Um, it initially was just it was very selfish. And it was very like about me uh, up front. I was in Portland, Oregon, and I wasn't tapped into the black community here, which is small, but but tight. Like every black person in Portland is an activist because they have to be. Mm-hmm. Uh, but 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 when I moved here, you know, I was working in design and I just wasn't in that community at all. So I would go weeks without seeing another black person. And I was just like really, really isolated mm-hmm. and separated from the culture. Mm-hmm. And um, I was also like working a desk job and I was just had these like really soft hands and, and was just like uh, had bad posture. And, you know, so this rodeo really came along at a time, not only for me artistically, but me personally where, where I needed it, where it was like, oh, I can be just surrounded by Black culture and I can I can be as far away from a computer as I can imagine a rodeo is. And um, I kept going back for those reasons just because I was like, when I just got kind of got tired of Portland, I was like, I'm going to a rodeo. I'm done with you people. Mm-hmm. And, and I would just up and go. It really became about documenting the stories and, and, and telling, telling these folks stories a little bit later. Like oh, for the first three years, I didn't even share any of the photos. They didn't even really go online. Mm-hmm. Um, I just sort of took them and archived them. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't until about 2019 that I started to share them. And I started eight seconds. And the reception was like, people were like me. They were like, wow, I can't believe that this exists. I can't believe that this is a thing. People were yeah. shocked. Yeah. And I wanted to make it a mission to eliminate that shock for Mm -hmm. it to no longer be remarkable that there are black cowboys for it to be obvious and and well known Mm -hmm. and you know i set out with the goal to saturate the internet with images of black cowboys Mm -hmm. so that so that so that it was it was easy to find it was in your face Mm -hmm. and it just completely disrupted the narrative of the white cowboy and and kind of ended that um permanently 
Yeah. Yeah. You said several things that I'm just like, yes, disrupt. Yes. <laughs> all of that. Uh, scroll stopping. Like that is something that I, I think of when I come across images that are yours and I can tell immediately <laughs> that it's yours. Um, how do you feel like the, the community received you or kind of, you know, cause like I, those are like my people and I know how it can be with like new people coming in and being like, Oh, like, who's that? Cause we, we, a lot of people know each other. Right. So how do you feel like the community received you when you kind of got down there and then you were like, let me take pictures of you. Well, the, the first rodeo I went to in Okmulgee, um, I was wearing wingtips and khakis and a short sleeve uh, linen shirt that was very wrinkled. And it was 105 degrees and I was sweating so hard. You can see through my shirt and I look crazy. Um, and I was just like rolling up to people, like asking them, tell me your life story and let me take your photo. Mm -hmm. Oddly enough, people were really receptive and, and kind and open and, and willing to share their story. I leaned on many fences with many cowboys and heard, heard their life story or, or heard, heard what's important to them. And, and they were so eager to, to offer me a bottle of water because I really needed it and, and, and to share a smile and let me take their photo. Um, so, I mean, it was a little bit surprising, but also I grew up in Kansas City, Kansas, and Okmulgee is about four hours away. Mm -hmm. So a lot of times I would see guys with like KC tattoos or, and ask them where they're from. And they would be like, oh, I'm from Kansas City, Kansas. I'd be like, where are you from? They'd be like, I'm off of 58th in Georgia. I'm off of 57th in Georgia. Like we were just like really, a lot of the folks that I met, we went to the same high schools. We, we, we went to the same church, you know, we knew the same folks. And so it was me tapping into my own community but in a way that that I didn't know anything about. Like it was like this whole cowboy community had been sitting right under my nose my whole life. Mm -hmm. And I had never paid any attention to it. Mm -hmm. Like in retrospect, I'm like, oh yeah, I guess uh Mr. Wills did have cows. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. Bobby and them did used to ride horses in them, but but I never just I never thought of them as cowboys. I just never right. never made that connection. So you know, long story short, the community has been really receptive. It's to the point now that, you know, I show up at a rodeo and, and people are rolling up to me asking to take their photo. And yeah. um, I'm like, really, really a part of it. And it's, yeah. it's something I'm super grateful to, to be involved with. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, the, I feel like when one of the biggest parts of being able to share this kind of work is that people are looking for that community. And so in, you know, all types of content that is shared around the black community uh, or the black cowboys nowadays, it's those people who are like, oh my gosh, I didn't know this existed or I'm interested in this, but I didn't even know other people were. Do you get a lot of stories like that? Messages, comments, things like that? Yeah, I've gotten it from, from other black cowboys you know, that, that live, uh, in, in areas where they, where they're the only black cowboy and they're mm -hmm. like, what? I, I had no idea. I, I, you know, I felt like I was the only like 
Eskimo out here and, and there's a whole tribe of, of people. I've got to go, go to a rodeo. I, I met a, um, a basketball player up here, uh, plays for the Portland Trailblazers mm. and his daughter, Bill races, uh, in Oregon. And he found my work and was like, you know, I showed this to my daughter and she was just blown away. She really thought she was the only one. Mm-hmm. And, um, she feels less isolated and she wants to go compete in the bill picket now. Like, um, so I've gotten it, definitely got it from black cowboys. I get it from white folks all the time, obviously, because they don't, they don't know at all that this exists, but, yeah. um, you know, black people as well are like, oh, you know, wow, what, our culture is so varied and, and I'm so proud to, that this is a part of who we are. So, um, yeah. yeah, just exposing people to it is, is a huge, huge part of, part of the work. Yeah. Yeah. When you're doing, uh, work with bigger companies I feel like um one of the one of the biggest well let me rephrase that what do you feel is the big one of the biggest challenges when you are being asked to shoot particular cowboys or work on different campaigns and things with some of these bigger brands it's fraught in a lot of different areas. It's, it's complex. And, um, for a long time, it was something that I just didn't want to get into. I was just like, this is, um, this is art and this isn't commerce, Mm -hmm. but you know, the brands kind of kept coming and I, and I found that a lot of them were authentically eager to diversify and to sort of change their, their public image away from, you know, really a, a white supremacy, like centered, like image of, of the West mm-hmm. to, to one that was more varied and, and more complex. Mm-hmm. They're not doing it out of like some noble cause. They're doing it because, because that's what their audiences demand is, is that they kind of see a, a, a more varied view of the West. But um, in me sort of taking on brands and I've worked with a lot of big Western brands from, from Ariat to Wrangler to Tacova's, uh, Stetson, um, in working with them, you know, I own the work, I creative directed. Mm-hmm. So I sort of tell them how, how we're going to shape and, and portray these folks and the story that we're going to tell. Um, I'm really like adamant that I sort of have creative control. Mm-hmm. because I don't want them to just be like, here's what we're going to do. You just go and click the shutter and then we own the photos. No, I own the photos and I dictate the creative direction. Mm-hmm. And then really I negotiate and set up the pay structure for the deals. Mm-hmm. So I get paid, you know, I don't work for likes. I don't work for uh, clothes mm-hmm. or cash. Uh, and then I make sure that the talent in the photos gets paid as well. So they get the likes, they get the clothes and they get the cash. And -hmm. then beyond that for rodeo folks, I try as best I can to make sure that they're in conversations about sponsorship Mm -hmm. because it's like, you can't, you can't just like be like this big brand using this barrel racers image. Right. And having them sort of, sort of promote your product without like giving them some meaningful support in competition mm-hmm. that they desperately need. And, and it's so rare uh, for black, black rodeo athletes. So, you know, I've just like served as like 
agent and manager in these deals and and made sure that they're as equitable as possible so that it's yeah. not just like uh, a brand exploiting a culture for their own gain. It's sort of mutually beneficial for everybody involved. Right, right. So I get this a lot um, when, you know, parents are looking for support for their kids on their uh, equestrian journey or uh, new, I mean, I wouldn't even say new, but uh, equestrians, cowgirls, cowboys, people that want to compete at a high level and they're looking for that kind of sponsorship relationship or they are being approached by brands and wanting them to, you know, feature them on their website, stuff like that. The whole tagging them in every image that they post, that kind of thing. What advice can you give to these people, these aspiring horse people when talking to these big brands? Because not everybody's going to have an Ivan there to, uh, really dictate or mitigate the conversation what advice could you give them you know i would say number one just like be confident in your brand like you're a black equestrian you're a black western athlete um you're rare and extraordinary and you bring a you bring a lot of value for any brand that wants to wants to collaborate with you or any brand that's lucky enough to collaborate with you so just really letting these folks know that what they what they have to offer is worth more than what the brand has to offer mm -hmm. because they're 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 there's there's somebody if you're competing and you're doing a good job and you're and you're at the level of of getting a sponsor like there aren't a lot of you there's there's just, there's just a handful and so a brand should be lucky to work with you um to you know just be in persistent and professional is really really something important that i that i kind of tell folks even after you get the sponsorship even after they agree to sponsor you you have to let the brand kind of know what's going on with you constantly you have to say hey i won this championship i won this buckle you know i qualified in this in this thing mm -hmm. i got a new horse here here are moments in my career that are interesting uh for you to share or interesting content for you to put out there right um the brand wants wants you to, you know, the the brand wants you to be a brand as well. And they really want it to be a partnership. Right. And so making sure that you have a clear point of view, um, that your, you know, social media is is brand ready and, and appropriate. I mean, I've seen like young, a young bull rider, and you know, he he he's at the level that he's probably ready for sponsorship. He's performing really well. But you go on his Instagram and he's got pictures with AK-47s and he's like, he's like wild now, you know, he's a wild kid. He's cussing and he's, he's, he's really not, he's really not the level that, you know, a Wrangler is going to kind of want to want to put their name with him uh, mm -hmm. because his social media is not there. So in a lot of ways, you have to operate and, and manage your brand as if you're already where you want to be, you, mm -hmm. you know, you kind of got to, got to, got to talk and and present yourself in a way that a brand can just kind of come in and put their logo on your content and they're good to go. Yeah. Um, for me, when I, when I'm working with a brand, particularly a new brand there, and there's a lot of heritage Western brands that I'm going after this year. Um, I come to them with a complete 
story. I come to them with like, here's the athlete. Here's what we're going to do. Mm-hmm. Here's what's going to be the, the, the caption. Um, here's when we're going to release it. And it's just all packaged up. All I need from you is money. Yeah. And I'm just going to go and execute this vision like completely. So just being that level of like sort of prepared and professional, I think is is really critical. These brands are lazy and they don't want to do the work. They just want content. Yeah. Um, so yeah, yeah, those are some of the things. I would say the most important thing for an athlete is just is just being persistent and being um, overly communicative with the brands. Yeah, yeah, that's great advice. That's great advice. So let's talk more about your work. I mean, you mentioned museums. I know that you have a book out or coming out. Um, What kind of inspired you to take it that far? Um, When I started doing the work, when I started really, when I started eight seconds and I started putting the work out there, it was on Instagram mostly. I don't, I'm not. I'm not big on social media. Um, it's just not my thing. Um, yeah. People don't know what I look like. You know, I talk to people on the phone all the time, and I'll call you on the phone. I love talking on the phone. It's like my jam. I'm good at it. <laughs> um, I can be on the phone for hours, mm-hmm. but um, people don't know who I am. They don't know what I look like because I'm never on social media. I've never gone live in my mm-hmm. entire life, and mm-hmm. I never will. Mm-hmm. and when I meet them they're like I thought you were like 70 they were like you were on the phone like talking about apple pie turnovers and you're like you like talk so slow and I had no idea <laughs> you were like a young guy I was like dang yeah. not 70 though I've gotten that a couple of times like recently where people were like I thought you were much older than, than you are mm-hmm. um so you know that's just because I'm not I'm not I'm not good at promoting myself. You know, I'm really not. Uh, I'm good at promoting the work, but me, like, I'm, I'm, I stay out of the way. And I'm like, man, look at this good-looking cowboy. Look at Kerry Hines. Look at this handsome six-foot-five young black man. I don't, you don't, you don't need to be looking at me. Um, and so, um, so you know, having myself on social media and that not being really an area that I'm very comfortable with. I was like, I got to get this content off of the internet and into people's hands. Mm-hmm. Get it, get it big, printed, beautiful. You know, you were talking about scroll stopping. I would go to a rodeo. I would fly. I'm terrified of flying. I would fly constantly. I'd fly down to Houston. There'd be a thunderstorm. I'd be wading through the mud in my boots. I get, you know, on top of the buck and shoot, a bull like cracks my camera um my hand is bleeding I get the shot somehow uh, you know package all my stuff up get back on the scary airplane fly home edit the image post it 30 likes and I'm like I did all of that for 30 likes that's crazy this photo cost me you know 1500 bucks to get mm-hmm. um so that people are so transient with content you know there are a lot of people that just scroll by that image and didn't even even bother to like it I thought that in a book people would really take their time and and be slower with consuming the content really look at what is it that you're looking at you know who who is it that you're looking at right and why does this matter really pay attention to the to the nuances in the photos um Mm -hmm. 
And um, so that's why a book was important to me. And that's kind of kind of the medium that I that I want the work to be in. I want it to be in books. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've got a gallery right now. I got a museum, the Griffin Museum of Photography in uh, Cambridge, Massachusetts. They um, have 12 of my prints on display there. Mm-hmm. And they're big. They're three feet wide. And, you know, you can kind of go there and just like stand in front of these images and really get get immersed in those moments. There's a photo called Cowboy Prayer with a bunch of um, Pony Express riders holding hands and praying on their horses before the race. Mm-hmm. The sky is pink. And, and when you see it that big, you feel like you're in that prayer circle. You feel mm-hmm. like you're actually involved in that moment. So um you know, I'm 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 very excited to have the the content be tangible and real. Somebody asked me just yesterday if I was gonna do NFTs. And I was like, absolutely not. And I was like, no. I don't. I, you know, the rodeo is the most analog experience that you can have. It's the furthest thing from being on a computer that you can do. And uh, I'm not gonna take that that beautiful, immersive, real experience and put it in a in an nft for people to buy one two when i sell a photo i'll sell my prints um to you know art buyers or i'll sell a print to uh apple when uh apple buys a print or apple licenses a photo for a year the talent in the photo gets paid as well mm-hmm. so i sold a print i sold a uh i licensed a photo to apple for thousands of dollars and the person in the photo got thousands of dollars as well when i sell an nft and somebody owns the work the talent doesn't get anything the person in the photo doesn't get a dime Mm -hmm. and why would i do that that doesn't make any sense to me so real real world real experiences yeah that's that's what i'm about with this work Mm -hmm. yeah that is um something that I've tried to, it it can be a sticky situation where, you know, there are people who are capturing moments in their own lives, you know, horse people and, you know, brands are approaching them like, oh, like, can I feature your image? Can I do this? Can I do that? And then they end up using it for God knows what ever they want you know ads making money and it's like oh they posted me and it got a hundred likes it's like but how many dollars how many dollars did you get like that's important and and it's possible y'all it's possible so I I try to I try to yeah congratulations good job but you know you can get paid for this right you should be getting paid you know when a brand takes your content and shares it you're making content that's valuable you're making content that's on the level of a, of a national brand mm-hmm. they pay money for those things i just did a photo shoot the other day it was a twenty thousand dollar photo shoot for an image to go on instagram the brand can can go and, and find that image that that's some 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 horse person did themselves and just post it for free or they can pay me to kind of create that authentic 
scroll stopping kind of moment for them. Right. Um, and, and if I do it, it's going to cost a lot of money. Um, so they, they would rather find it for free. You know, they would rather do that, but it's rare. It's difficult. Um, you know, the, the people aren't vetted, you know, it, it's complicated and fraught for them, for them to spend their time doing that. So right. in a lot of ways, they're like, we would rather have a guaranteed product and pay for it. But like mm-hmm. when people are just giving this stuff away, they're undercutting me. That mm-hmm. makes me, <laughs> that makes me sad. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Too, yeah. Every, everybody should be getting paid. If you're, if you're, if you're in this space, like I said, you're special and you're rare and, and you, and, and that is valuable, you know, and, and, and the best way to so to express that value is to, is to get money for it. So please, please, please get paid, people. If a brand wants to share your image, be like, how much? Yeah. Yeah, yeah absolutely. So like you just said, you know, when, when brands are wanting to um, get work from you, they know that they're going to have a guaranteed product. And it's because you have a story to tell. You package it up. You say, this is what it is you are the creative behind it um tell me about or tell me how you kind of built this skill or this art of storytelling through your images you know it started it started out in the church it really did i grew up uh church of god in christ uh we go to church four days a week you know all day on sunday um we had to you know uh testify we had to prophesy we had to do all of this stuff in the church as young people you had to sing in the choir like it was just like there were no there was no moment that you volunteered for anything it was just like no get up there and tell us about Pontius Pilate right now (laughs) Um, and that's just kind of how the church operate you just had to be you had to be a public speaker you had to be a storyteller you had to engage people and um so that that's just part of my like family family heritage you know that's just something that that's been passed down for generations mm-hmm. i took it you know i didn't i didn't want to be a pastor because that was just like not not my lane but um i wanted to be an actor and so i went to acting school like i said i went mm-hmm. to new york did acting conservatory and then acted for six years. And that was another part where I really refined my like storytelling chops through like improv and stand up com- comedy and, and all of these different things that I did. I was, I was able to kind of go like, here's, here's a story from beginning to end and, and, and here's the rising action and here's the falling action and here's the, the dynamics and the tone and all of these things that, that sort of keep people engaged over a period of time. Mm-hmm. Uh, watching watching one person um sort of narrate um and then I took that that skill set to my design career and really like even sharpened it more tightly where it's like mm-hmm. you don't have nobody's gonna sit and listen to you do Shakespeare for three hours like how can you really engage someone and let them know what's up in a in a magazine layout or in a single page of a website you know how can you put all of those elements into a really quick, pithy uh, 30 second spot, you know, all of those mm-hmm. things I kind of, I kind of utilized and learned to do with the level of Nike, to do with the level of, you know, Adidas and, and, and big national brands. Um, and then when I started my own brand, it just all kind of fell into place where it mm-hmm. was just like, I'm going to tell you 
the whole story of this whole rodeo in one picture in a three word caption. Uh, and you're, you're going to feel it. You're going to feel it to your core. Yeah. Um, but it's, it's not, it's not accidental. It's not magic. It's, it's, it's a honed in skill that took, took years and years and years to, to, to refine. So. Right. Right. I, uh, listened to you on Cowboys of Dixie podcast <laughs> and I remember you saying that you were nervous to be in front of people. And so, or nervous to, to be getting their pictures yeah. and like going up to them and say, Hey, can I take a picture of you? <laughs> so it surprises me that you were an actor and that like stand up comic, like all that stuff. Like, although we don't see Ivan now, you know, cause he's behind the camera and that's, that's how you've constructed your brand. What? what kind of made that shift? Cause, cause now, now I'm like, what happened? <laughs> you're in I front was, of people and now you're behind the scenes. Like, what was that transition? Like, I was scared when I was an actor, you know, <laughs> I was, every time I got on stage, I was, I was terrified. Um, and, and I was bad. I was scared when I did stand up, stand up was even scarier because that was, those are my own words. And that was stuff that I that I wrote. And when it bombed, it was all my fault. I, I didn't have anybody to blame. Mm -hmm. um, and so I was I was scared, but I did it anyway, mm -hmm. which is, I guess, bravery. Um, it's just like I'm scared to get on an airplane. Oh, Lord, I'm scared to get on an airplane. But I do it several times a month um, mm -hmm. because it's just it's just what I need to do. You know, yeah. I just get on the plane. I put on my music and I force myself to fall asleep and I just I just get through it so you know that that's part of my upbringing that's kind of where 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 I come from that's kind of kind of how my family raised me is just like nobody care about how you feel get out there and go get what done what you need to get get done and and quit quit being in your feelings about it um so so there, there's no there's no special sauce from from me from my from my past that sort of feeds right now you know, it was just photography was something that I owned all for my own and nobody was forcing me to do anything. Yeah. My mama wasn't like, boy, you better get out there and take them pictures. You know, she wasn't, <laughs> she wasn't on me about it. And so I was like really comfortable in my photography space where I was just like, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna shoot exactly what I want. I'm not getting paid for this. Like nobody is nobody is making me do this. So I'm going to go do what's enjoyable. There was a period of time where I was so uninspired with photography. I just liked to click the shutter. And, and that was about it. I didn't really care what I took a picture of. Mm -hmm. And so every day I would take a picture of the same bridge when I walked past it. And I ended up with hundreds of images of this bridge from the exact same spot every single day. Um, because I was like this, I get to take a picture it feels nice. Uh, there's no pressure, you know, and I, I learned a lot from that moment. I started to notice a lot of different detail of like, where was the water on the bridge and what did mm -hmm. the clouds look like? And, mm -hmm. you know, it was, it was really, it was really a, a, a like a mindfulness exercise for me. Mm -hmm. um, I didn't really start to engage and get comfortable with people until somebody asked me last minute, as a as a favor to go shoot a wedding for them 
Mm-hmm. They were like, I need a second shooter on this wedding. Please, 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 will you help me? And I was like, okay, absolutely. I went to the wedding and, you know, wedding wedding people are drunk and they expect to have their picture taken mm-hmm. and it's a party atmosphere. And I actually ended up having a pretty good time um, shooting that wedding. And I did a good job and they asked me to come back and do another one. And then before I knew it, I had my own wedding business and I was shooting weddings every single weekend. And um, that made me comfortable with people that kind of, that kind of helped me get over the fear. Um, But it was still in a really like contained specific space. Mm -hmm. And I was just kind of like, what if I, what if I could do what I do at weddings anywhere? And that was when I started to just like take my camera out into the streets of Portland every day and just like roll up on people and be like, you, you got the sauce, you got the sauce. (laughs) Gas them up. Yeah. <laughs> I gotta get your photo, man. Like, like if you could see what I was seeing right now, you would want to take a photo of you too. This is incredible. And and you know, I would just like meet meet anybody and just like um get them engaged and get their photo. And mm-hmm. that, you know, that was what like like I said, that's what led me into rodeo. I showed up at the rodeo like that. Like, mm-hmm. no, you did not come here in that fringe jacket, bro. <laughs> no, you didn't. <laughs> How dare you? <laughs> <laughs> Let me get your picture. <laughs> that is that is beautiful. That is beautiful. One of the one of the most like I guess my my favorite part of your story is that you didn't have it figured out in the beginning. You know, your, your, your beginning doesn't look like you're right now. And I feel like for a lot of young people, um, a lot of times they feel like they have to have it figured out and that they can't change their mind mm-hmm. or that they can't like say, you know, I always thought this thing was cool, but I just never had the means I mean and even adults you know the the adult equestrians that are just now getting into horses just now going to rodeos and going to trail rides and stuff you know they're like I wanted to do this since I was a kid and they are just now you know have the means or the opportunity to do that so is there how do you kind of look back over everything you've done and say you know, I gave myself that permission to, to change and to grow. Yeah. I just, I just have never like, um, chalked up an experience as a failure. Mm. I've always learned and, um, I can always look back and be like, man, if I wasn't an actor, I wouldn't know how to sell. And if I didn't know how to sell, I wouldn't be able to pitch to, to brands. You know, so it's like that was just a learning experience. That wasn't it wasn't that I was supposed to supposed to do that the rest of my life. I was supposed to get that information and that experience and carry it on to the next thing. Yeah. And you know, like I, I can just like draw a line through through all of these experiences and say, like, here's here's how I got here. Um, I think that's the thing that I, I I want a young person to know is that like if you switch it up, if you change your mind, if something's not working that doesn't mean that you failed that just means that you have you have got the information that you require to go to the next phase Mm -hmm. and um 
I look at myself now and I'm just like, I don't have it figured out at all. I don't know. I don't know nothing. <laughs> you know, I really, I, re I still go to rodeos. I will show up at a rodeo and I'm eight seconds and I'm Ivan McClellan. I'm the, I'm the man, I'm the goat, you know, and I go there and I'm so nervous. I can't get out of my car sometimes. I go to I go to a rodeo and I'm like I'm not gonna go talk to these people. Are you crazy? <laughs> like, like, I'm scared of horses. You know, like I'm, I'm like I'm not I'm not gonna do this. Um, and I have to you know I have to go back and 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 do some self work and and figure out how to get out of that car and go do what I gotta go do. Um, mm -hmm. So I don't I don't have it figured out. Or, you know I, I, and. I haven't, I haven't anywhere near achieved what I, what I hope to achieve. Um, I'm not even close. And I, I plan to, you know, do rodeo until I die. I plan on, I plan on doing this work forever, Yeah. but it's not going to always be my primary focus. You know, mm -hmm. there, there are other projects, there are other stories that I want to tell. Mm -hmm. I want to yeah. do a thing about, um, I want to do something about black church because that's so pivotal to like how I grew up. My grandma was a, uh, was the accountant at the church. Mm -hmm. And so she knew all the secrets. Crazy. Yeah. My, my granddad was too. <laughs> was he really? Yeah. So you, you know how it is. They, they, she knew everything. She knew, she knew everything. She knew where the money was going. She knew who was tithing and who wasn't tithing. She knew, um, she knew everybody's business. She knew everybody's secrets. It was like the accountant, was the most important person in the church in, mm -hmm. in a lot of ways mm -hmm. and um so i just got i just got exposure to the church i think in a in a in a, in a different way that than, than other people did and i'm like i want to go document the church the real church and how it operates and um so to share that with the world in some way um but i don't really know what that looks like and that's an area that that's not going to be like black rodeo that's something that everybody knows about and right so, you know doing it in an interesting way will be will be a challenge but um yeah you know yeah that's that's kind of the point is that it's it's constantly a process and it's constantly an evolution and i can't go into that church project like oh this is something brand new it's like no yeah. i carry years of experience with me yeah and it'll, it'll be easier than the last thing that i did mm-hmm mm-hmm yeah so have you been on a horse, Ivan? I have, yeah. <laughs> oh, good. Okay, because <laughs> you said that you were scared of him. I was just, I was just checking. <laughs> yeah, I've been on a horse um, several times. I grew up going to the Benjamin Ranch in Kansas City, and we would ride horses there. Okay, good. And then I've ridden, ridden several times uh, as a in this project as mm -hmm. a photographer. I wrote with Charles Sampson. Uh, mm -hmm. and we actually herded steer we herded 50 steer to get them into the into the shoots for a team roping event mm -hmm. um which was an experience I got yelled at a lot I did a lot of stuff wrong but I was you know I was riding a horse I was, I was doing my thing right but I never pretend I, and I don't even dress like I'm a cowboy and mm -hmm. I'm not that's not me mm -hmm. um I I don't know what I'm doing uh and I have to be on a real gentle horse Mm -hmm. uh, a real gentle real patient horse because it's just that's just not my skill set mm -hmm. my kids though they're learning to ride yeah my daughter wants to be a barrel racer so she's getting pretty good at it well good good I think it's 
it's amazing how we get to, uh, I guess, build the world a little bit differently for the next generation, right? Because she's not going to have that, like, oh, I, I didn't even know you existed. You know, she's not going to have that. She's yeah, like, yeah. I, I don't think that my <laughs> kids know that white cowboys exist. Right. <laughs> right. Like, I don't think they're aware of that. Yeah, they're gonna they're gonna have an element of surprise that other people are not gonna even understand. Yeah, for sure. You know, they just have a different reality. Um, there is a guy on the trail ride scene over here in North Carolina. We call him Picture Man. I don't know his name. His, <laughs> name, his name is Picture Man. Um, but he he rides normally in the front of the trail and will capture the you know oh we're about to go through water all right let picture man go ahead <laughs> and he'll go up and i mean he is literally chronicling these trail rides people coming off people going down the hill like ah! you know and he has all of these archives of you know all these different events and I always thought that it was just you know not to to be super deep all the time but you know not many people are doing this work not not many people are capturing history whether it be in conversation like podcasts or social media or pictures you know not a lot of people are doing that so how does that or do you feel a sense of like responsibility when you are out doing this work? Yeah, for sure. I mean, I, shout out to Picture Man. I love that story. Picture <laughs> Man. I gotta, I gotta find out who that is because. Yeah, I'll see if I can find his government. Because <laughs> I'm like, uh, anybody know never... Picture Man real name? <laughs> 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 you know, you have those cousins. Like, no, his name is Boo Boo. Like, I don't know his real name. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Um, I, I ran into that with Ouncey Mitchell. He's a bull rider. And I, I like had to put in an invoice for Ouncey. And, and I was like, Ouncey, what's your government? And he was like, Ouncey Mitchell. I was like, yeah, but what's your real name? And he was like, oh, Demetrius Allen. <laughs> I was like, okay. Oh, wow. It's a totally different name. <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah, I run into that all the time. <laughs> but um um you know I yeah, picture man, cowboy world is another one. Love cowboy world. He's just he's just every rodeo and mm -hmm. we just become friends because we're kind of doing the same thing. Mm -hmm. Responsibility, uh absolutely. I mean, I, I feel a sense of responsibility to be accurate, to be um respectful you know to really not not be uh pedestrian in this work and, and not just be like oh went to a rodeo took some pictures here are some people mm -hmm. it's like no 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 here are here are these people and here are their names and here's why they matter they're they're out there competing you know i owe them at, at least a tag you know that's that's at least at least what i order if, if i do take a picture of somebody and i don't know who they are i quickly am in the community so i quickly find out who they are, they are people like oh that that's who that is and and i and i make sure that they get tagged and um 
you know, if we, if we end up working together, I, I make sure that I connect them with brands and stuff like that. But um, I wouldn't say that it's like crushing. It's not like an overwhelming sense of responsibility. It's just like how I've always been um, yeah. in my photography. Like even with street photography, there's a lot of street photographers that'll just like roll up on you, take your picture and throw it up on the internet. And like, um, I, I've done a little bit of that, but for the most part, I try to try to get to know people and try to get permission to take their photo. Um, because that's, that's just, that's just who I am. You know, that's just like the Kansas boy in me. I'm not, I'm not brash or aggressive about my photography. I'm very, very gentle and, mm -hmm. and very respectful in what I do. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's what, uh, I mean, yeah, it's part of your brand and it, and it's what is so inviting about the images that you share with us, um, you know, being able to see what's going on, but it's not in a, um, it's not in a way that's like taking advantage of the moment or like, let me do this real fast. Yeah. you know you don't you don't get those kind of vibes from your from your images so that is definitely yeah. something that I can appreciate um when I'm able to see them thank you I appreciate that and I yeah it, it's it's a work in progress but you know when I see people that are, that are really really caring and really gentle in the way that they work Kennedy Carter um takes takes photos of of black cowboys uh she's got a series called ride and sucker free and she it's just incredible and you could just tell that she she knows these folks and that she um she has been invited into those in, into that community and um i i think i think she's kind of done it done it as good as anybody that i've seen it seen do it and mm -hmm. you know i in a lot of ways try to emulate her work she's from north carolina i think but yeah phenomenal photographer mm. I'm gonna have to look her up. Yeah, for sure. Look her up. She took pictures of Beyonce. Like she's, she's next level. Okay. Okay. I yeah. see it. I see mm -hmm. it. Um, when you um talk about being on the road and flying all over the place and getting to see all these different people, what what do you look forward to the most when when coming back home? Oh man, uh, you know, my, my wife really holds it down when I'm away. Um, I, I, I don't give her a lot of notice a lot of times. So like, oh, I'm going to Nashville. And she's like, okay, you know, go, <laughs> come home with some money. <laughs> like, so I, I, I shout out to her. She really, she's really got an enormous amount of patience and is, is a huge supporter of the work. I mean, she makes it go. And, um, you know, when, when I when I get back home, I look forward to when I get to the airport. Uh, my kids always meet me at the gate mm -hmm. and they come running and it's like a movie, you know, they run and jump in my arms and you fall and to I'll, your knees. Yeah. <laughs> and all the people in the airport are like, oh, and I'm like, look at me. I got a family. I'm a dad. Look at me. People love me. You know, that's 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 the thing that I look most forward to, like. We spent a, we, I was just on the road for 10 days. I just got back home Sunday and, um, you know, I was on the phone with the kids like three times a day. We're on zoom, mm -hmm. like they don't know how to hold a conversation. So we just sort of like sit there on the phone, but not really saying much. Mm -hmm. Uh, and then I call them at night and we do our prayers and, 
uh, read a book and, you know, I sit there and watch them brush their teeth and stuff like that. So it feels like I'm at home. It feels like I'm part of things, but I'm really not, you know, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm in a hotel somewhere in the middle of nowhere and um, coming home and, and getting back in that routine and like, and like doing that stuff with them for real, just really, really, really warms my heart. And it really makes me, makes me feel grounded and comfortable. I got to get charged up and, and come back home and, yeah. and and read some stories and 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 do some family stuff cook some pasta you know do the stuff that I need to do to make the family go before mm-hmm. I go back out there on the road like mm-hmm. it's really important for me to check in and make sure everybody's good yeah yeah absolutely absolutely so what have you what I know that you like can't say that you have a favorite in public but of the work that you have done, what do you think are like some of your favorite either moments or images or pieces or, you know, productions? What's I'll been? say it. I'll say it. I ain't scared. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay. Well, I don't, I don't want nobody to come, come at you because you, <laughs> no, you, they were not it. your favorite. <laughs> uh, my favorite person to photograph is Courtney Solomon. She's a barrel uh, mm-hmm. racer. I think she's 12. Mm-hmm. You know? I started shooting her when she was like nine or 10, a little mm-hmm. kid. And um, she is just so easy to photograph. She's so like confident and good at what she does. In the, mm-hmm. At the MLK rodeo, MLK Bill Pickett rodeo in Denver mm-hmm. um, last month, she won the junior barrel racing buckle and she won the ladies barrel racing buckle at like 11 or 12 like she's 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 incredible she's like Mm -hmm. a prodigy Mm -hmm. at horse riding and um my favorite image of her was was when I first met her it was the first day that I met her I was at uh in Hempstead Texas with her and her mama Kenesha Jackson Mm -hmm. and they were like what do you want us to do and I was like I don't know like cowgirl stuff I (laughs) I can't really tell you what to do they were on their horses and um they were just like riding around in a field and it was about to thunderstorm. And, and Kadisha was like, we got to get this done. Cause it's about to storm in like four minutes. And I was like, okay, weatherman, you know, what's up. And so I was like, uh, okay, Courtney, here's what I want you to do. And I got, I got down on the ground. I said, I want you to ride your horse right by me. Um, but don't hit me. And she's like, I'm not going to hit you. Like, don't worry about that. And she's riding her horse. She's not looking at me. She's looking straight ahead. Her braids are blowing back in the wind because the storm is coming in. The clouds behind her are so fluffy and textured. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm shooting up at her. So she looks like this like hero. Mm-hmm. And that 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 right there is my favorite shot. It's mm-hmm. um, every time that I look at that shot, I'm like, if, if I took one photo in this whole thing, that one would be worth it. Yeah, like it just it just was such a moment is such a vibe. Um, she's so like connected with her horse. She's like paying attention because she doesn't want to hit me like mm-hmm. it just it just looks great. Um, and, and the thing about a lot of these photos is that I'm in the photo, you know, because because on the on the other side of what you're looking at, there's me. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I can I can sort of use those as like a diary. It's like memory recall of like where I was, what I was feeling, what I was doing um, yeah. through another person. 
Yeah. Yeah. So that's that's, that's my favorite image. Yeah. Yeah. No. Nobody's gonna fault you for having her as a <laughs> as a favorite. <laughs> Can't get mad at a kid. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> that was a very good answer. <laughs> I know. I know. <laughs> Well, thank you so much for coming on here and just sharing a part of your story. I feel like it's very important, even, you know, the opportunity to consume your work, but also to know what's going on behind the camera and who this person is, who's sharing these stories that a lot of us are so passionate about. So I really appreciate your time today. Oh, thank you so much. It's 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 been really great, great talking to you, and um, I really enjoy enjoy this podcast. So I'm glad to be on it. Thank you for tuning in to Young Black Equestrians, the podcast. Be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast player as well as over on YouTube. And you know what? Do me a favor, leave a review over on Apple Podcasts. Doing that makes it so that this platform and this content get shared with Black equestrians all over the world. Thank you so much for tuning into this episode and I will see you next time.